It's time to play like a jet with your host, Scott Mason. Play like a jet. What does that mean? Smith rifles that one to Mims. And that's a foot race. He's going to win. Touchdown, Baylor. Denzel Mims with another monster score of 70 yards. Five straight games, Anthony, where he's got a touchdown catch of over 20. That's deflected and picked up Mosey. He'll take it in. It's a pick six and a touchdown. Fell into the middle of that line, and it's a touchdown. Big return for Crowder. 85 yards. There was contact with a quarterback, and it's incomplete. They got pressure on Prescott. It was Adams who came blitzing in. He'll hit immediately when he got the handoff. You know and what? it's <laughs> the Q-inator. Oh, my gosh. Listen, thank you. From the TOJ Digital Studios, this is Play Like a Jet. My name is Scott Mason. You can follow me on Twitter at PlayLikeAJet1. And it's time for part two of our discussion with Manish Mehta, covering the New York Jets for the Daily News. It's Midweek with Manish, part two. And Manish, yesterday we talked all about Jamal Adams. Now let's talk a little bit about the quarterback position. There was an addition made this past week in a former Super Bowl MVP and that, of course, is Joe Flacco. One year, $1.5 million. Could be up to $3 million with incentives. This is certainly not a money grab because Joe Flacco has made a lot of money in his career. And for that price, he clearly must want to still play because it's not like he's chasing a ring. He already has one. And it's not like he needs $1.5 million. This is somebody who, even after a serious neck injury, wants to still be in the NFL. Have to figure that his connection to Joe Douglas played a big role in this because Douglas was the area scout with the Ravens who was pounding the table for Joe Flacco when they traded up to draft him in 2008. I like this move a lot, Manish. I realize that he's not what he used to be. Not that he was ever an elite quarterback. He was a solid starter. He's not that anymore. But if you look at what happened with Luke Falk last year, it's clear that the Jets need somebody with real experience, somebody who can go in there and not embarrass them if Darnold has to miss a couple of games, and somebody that can be in the quarterback room and be a positive presence. Joe Flacco seems to fit the bill for all of that, and at $1.5 million for one year, a sizable upgrade over what they had last season. I think that a healthy Joe Flacco uh, will be very helpful to the Jets, potentially, you know, if they need him. Uh, <laughs> for Jet fans, hopefully <laughs> they never need him, which means that Sam Darnold will, will start 16 games. Uh, the health is a real concern. And I know that's something that's easy to gloss over sometimes because these are football players and they have surgery and they go through rehab and then, they, then they're fine. But Joe Flacco is 35 years old. Uh, my understanding is that it was, it's a very, it was a very serious neck issue. It's a disc issue. Things get complicated. Uh, I think as all <laughs> 30-somethings, who played sports at some point in their lives know what, you know these issues can be annoying, irritating, uh, and if it requires surgery, you know potentially, uh, you know career-threatening, career-ending. Uh, hopefully for Joe Flacco, that's not the case, because if he is indeed healthy, uh, an obvious upgrade. I don't think it's <laughs> you know I don't think that's really debatable. An obvious upgrade from what the Jets had a year ago. Uh, the question I have is. Is he going to be healthy? When is he going to be fully healthy? Because the Jets believe that while he'll be able to throw a football in training camp uh, without getting touched, uh, 
the bigger hurdle, the most important hurdle, frankly, is when will he be medically cleared to be able to play with contact? And right now, the target is sometime early in May, and that's a moving target. That's not definitive. That's not, you know, September 1 rolls around, he's good to go. I, I think in late May, there's a, you know, there is some doubt there. So maybe uh, you have to look at this from all scenarios. It, it's not looking at it uh, as a you know, glass half empty si- situation. It's being smart and saying, let's look at all scenarios. Best case scenario, September 1st rolls around. He's cleared for contact. No worries if he needs to come into a game to relieve Sam Darnold or start for Sam Darnold if Darnold is hurt then he can do that. That is the best-case scenario for the Jets. You know, look, He's got an accomplished career, 11-year player. What I didn't know, Scott, and may, maybe I'm in the minority here, but I didn't realize that Joe Flacco has never made a Pro Bowl in his career. <laughs> you know, hmm. Everyone talks about the 2012 historic playoff run, the 11 touchdowns, no picks, uh, ending in a Super Bowl MVP. Uh, he's never made a, a, a Pro Bowl. Uh, you know, Obviously, he hasn't made an All-Pro either, but no Pro Bowl in – in his first 11 years, but uh, you know, clearly got hot at the right time and became a Super Bowl champion, uh, largely because of the fact that he got hot. And I was at that Super Bowl, covering that Super Bowl. He was, he was absolutely fantastic. Uh, but uh, that's uh, the best case scenario. Is he, you know, fully healthy? If so, you know, really smart, savvy decision by the Jets. Uh, but you do have to consider that he won't be fully healthy uh, early September. Uh, maybe that gets pushed back to mid-September, maybe late September, maybe October, maybe beyond. Maybe he can't really play this season. You have to factor in all of those different scenarios, and when you're dealing with a, a disc issue in your neck, you know, this isn't a, a sprained ankle. You know, In some ways, this is not even an ACL injury that you can repair and then move on. Uh, you know, Disc and nerve issues are problematic and troublesome and different for each player and each person. So there isn't uh, you know, a blueprint to say, okay, he had surgery in early April, you know, X amount of months later, he should be good to go because people react differently to disc issues, whether it's in their neck, their lower back, uh, you know, uh, it, it just, uh, it's an uncertainty. It's unknown. Uh, and you cannot discount the fact that that age plays a role in this as well. So, you know, for for Flacco's sake, for the Jets' sake, hopefully he's healthy. Uh, he's got a lot of experience. You know, he's had success in the past. Uh, I think, you know, I don't know this definitively because I haven't spoken to Joe Flacco yet, but I think that he's probably at a point now, even though it's only two years later, uh, he's, he's at a point now where it's easier to accept being the backup because clearly I think if you were around anybody in Baltimore back in – 2018, he was not really ready to give up that starting job to Lamar Jackson. Uh, I think he's in a different place right now. Uh, he played fairly well uh, in limited, you know, in limited time last year. You know, the record doesn't indicate that he was two and six. But statistically, you know, I, I, he was okay. He completed a fair amount of his passes, 65 percent, which is good. Uh, touchdown interception rate, not that great. But uh, he's a guy, I think, you know, if he is fully healthy, you can feel feel confident that you can go into a game, uh, maybe, you know, need him for a two- or three-week window even, 
and and think, hey, you know what? We have a chance to win. I, I don't know if we're going to win, but we have a chance to win with this guy. Uh, you know, so I think the Jets are happy with that. Now, all of that being said, I thought there were some missed opportunities for the Jets to get probably a better option at, at backup quarterback this offseason. They didn't do it. Uh, so they looked at Flacco as the best remaining option. And again, if he is healthy, uh, fully healthy, I think it's a good move. But uh, you know, I, I, if you're being fair about this, I do think it's a giant if. Certainly fits the bill from the financial standpoint because, Manish, we've talked about how the Jets are not looking to spend a ton of money this offseason and make a lot of long commitments. Flacco one year, $1.5 million is perfect in that regard. If Flacco isn't ready to go by the start of the season, would the plan be to hang on to David Fales until Flacco's ready and then Flacco would come in and they would get rid of David Fales, I presume, and hang on to Captain Morgan as the third stringer? Yeah, well, obviously Morgan's not going anywhere. Mm-hmm. Uh, I would assume Mike White would be the guy on the chopping block. Uh, you know, could they keep fails? I, I, yeah, I guess they could keep fails. It's easy to cut him. You're not really, you don't have that big of an investment, $100,000 somewhere in the neighborhood. So uh, I, I think a lot of that you know, gives the Jets some flexibility, and flexibility is always good. It's just uh, it, it would put the Jets in a, in a bind because ultimately – if it does shake out that Flacco's not healthy, uh, you could keep Fails, but then yes, you know David Fails is your backup quarterback, so uh, you, you want a guy with experience as your backup quarterback if Sam Darnold does indeed miss some time. Uh, and on paper, uh, Joe Flacco fits that bill, but he has to be healthy. And look, the Jets doctors haven't been able to get a hold of Flacco in person. They've obviously exchanged all the data. Uh, you know, MRI, all that stuff. Uh, so they do have, uh, you know, a fair amount of information. But uh, that being said, you'd like to have the, the Jets medical staff actually stand in front of Joe Flacco and do what they need to do to, to get more assurance that he could be okay. But uh, a lot of this really is about time and about healing and uh, and about the unknown. Because, again, nerve issues are not uh, something that are cookie cutter. You know, they, they – they vary from person to person. Uh, I thought you touched on a good point, and I probably should have mentioned this when we were talking about uh, Jamal Adams. The financial investment, obviously, is fairly minimal uh, for Flacco. So, you know, that's a that's a that's uh, an important piece to the Jets puzzle. I know that. Uh, and just to circle back to Jamal real quick, if you did indeed sign him to a long-term extension this offseason, he obviously would get a fairly big signing bonus which would mean that the Jets would have to pony that money up fairly soon. And cash has been an issue this offseason when it comes to the budget that Joe Douglas has been working with. So uh, I do believe that that is a factor as well that hasn't really been discussed that that much when discussing the Jamal Adams uh, contract saga. But uh, doling out a giant signing bonus for anybody uh, this offseason, I don't believe – you know, ownership uh, would sign off on that. They certainly haven't done that to this point through free agency. And I do think that that's also an obstacle that the general manager is uh, having to deal with. While sports can bring us so much joy, it can also bring us a lot of unwanted stress. And that stress can make it difficult to concentrate, relax, and get decent sleep. Sunday Scaries was launched in 2017 by two best friends and business partners, Bo Schmidt and Mike Sill. 
They operated a full-service bar with 50 employees and were always exhausted. They tried all kinds of products, but they didn't work. Then they started experimenting with CBD. They loved the effects and regained control of their days and nights, but they wanted better CBD products. So what they did for themselves was specially formulate CBD gummies with vitamins D3 and B12 that were super consumable, easy to take on the go, and effective. Long story short, their specially formulated CBD products and vitamins helped relieve the overwhelming angst they felt on a daily basis. So in July 2017, they named the company Sunday Scaries and began sharing their products with friends and launched their online store at sundayscaries.com. With tens of thousands of customers, monthly subscribers, and a 100% money-back guarantee, Sunday Scaries has always been on a mission to transform a worrisome nation into a chill one. And right now, we have a bonus for you. Get 25% off all products at sundayscaries.com when you use the code OVERTIME. Again, 25% off all products at sundayscaries.com when you use the code OVERTIME. Hey guys, Greg Peterson here with the Baseball Betting Podcast. As we know, the MLB season is back in our lives. It's going to be a 60-game sprint unlike anything that we've ever seen before. And I'm going to be giving you picks every single day, seven days a week with Major League Baseball. We're also going to be keeping up with the KBO as well. If you like baseball and you like being able to make some money, subscribe to the Baseball Betting Podcast with Greg Peterson on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, TuneIn, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey guys, this is Greg Peterson, host of the podcast Hooping with Hoops. Despite the fact that college basketball is in the offseason, it's never too early to get a jump start on taking a look at these teams because there is now 357 of them for the upcoming 2020-2021 college basketball season. I'm going to give you guys a deep dive on every last one of them, keep up with all the transfers in college basketball, and so much more. You are able to subscribe to Hooping with Hoops on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, TuneIn, or wherever you get your podcasts. Play like a jet. Play like a jet. Manish, let's continue down the quarterback rabbit hole here and talk a little bit about Sam Darnold. There was a show where Tony Romo talked with Sam Darnold, Josh Allen, and Daniel Jones, the three quarterbacks for the New York teams. Now, I know people are going to give us some crap for including Buffalo in the New York teams, but Buffalo is part of New York. <laughs> And all three teams have young quarterbacks. In fact, Sam Darnold is the youngest of the three. So what did you think of this program? Some interesting stuff there from Tony Romo and those three, right? Uh, yeah, look, I like the program of the half-hour show. I actually thought the most fascinating parts of the show uh, were the interviews with Josh Allen and with Daniel Jones. Uh, frankly, I thought that the, the Darnold portion of it uh, – it wasn't particularly enlightening. Uh, they essentially went over one play from last season, the 92-yard touchdown to Robbie Anderson, which was uh, a great tag team effort, frankly. It, it, was a, it was a terrific throw by Sam, without a doubt. Uh, I also thought it was a, an exceptional route by Robbie Anderson. He did a stutter go, the corner bit, Sam threw it exactly where it needed to be, and then, and then Robbie was off to the races. Uh, I thought it was... Interesting that they pointed uh, that Romo decided to point that play out because Robbie Anderson is no longer on the team, and I think a lot of people that wanted Robbie back uh, would point to a play like that and say, "Look, that's you know that, that's a connection that that Sam Darnold had and, and is no longer there." But that was the only play that they reviewed, and then uh, I, I thought the the rest of that interview with Darnold, you know, there were, a big chunk of it was interesting, but it was more about Tony Romo and kind of prioritizing his life and 
things that matter to him personally and with his family. I thought that was interesting again, but that, that wasn't about Darnold. That was more about Tony Romo. And then, uh, I believe Sam said that, uh, you know, the one thing that he really wants to improve upon is to get more third and manageables, which is, uh, you know, a pretty obvious thing for, for any quarterback. You, you don't want to get in third and longs. But uh, I thought that from an X's and O's standpoint, the Daniel Jones interview was more interesting and more enlightening. Uh, I thought by far the best interview was with Josh Allen. Josh Allen seemed to have a pretty interesting personality. He even promised Bills fans that he was going to have some kind of interesting touchdown celebration. He didn't want to reveal what that was. But, uh, you know, I, I thought that, it, you know, it, Anytime you get uh, three young quarterbacks, three ascending quarterbacks, three quarterbacks, frankly, who I think have a bright future to varying degrees, but uh, you know, bright futures, uh, talking to a guy like Romo, who I find to be extremely uh, smart in terms of talking about the quarterback position, you're going to get a good program. I think the most insightful part of that 30-minute show was what Romo said about young quarterbacks making a jump early in their career. And he has found that it has to happen in the first three years. For some quarterbacks, it happens from year one to year two. And then for some quarterbacks, it happens per year for them in years two through year three. Uh, I think you saw a uh, you know, fairly significant jump for Josh Allen in year one to year two, but he still has a lot of question marks that we have discussed before, Scott. Uh, we'll see what happens with Daniel Jones, but Daniel Jones, to me, had an extremely promising rookie season uh, other than the fumbles, and I, I know that's not something that can continue for him to have a bright future, but he did so many good things, I think, otherwise, that Giants fans, frankly, should be very excited about him. Uh, and then there's Darnold, who made some incremental improvement from year one to year two, but this is really the year for him to, to make a fairly sizable jump if you're going to believe tony romo in which he says look these young quarterbacks if they're going to ever make a jump it's going to be in those first three years because after the, the first three years you don't really see that many quarterbacks make significant jumps and now obviously there's exceptions to the rule it's not a hard and fast rule but generally speaking romo's uh experience uh, has told him that if you're going to make that big jump it's going to happen in those first three years. So that means 2020 for Sam Darnold. Uh, can he make a significant jump? He's going to be working with the same offensive play caller for a second year for the first time in his career. Uh, we can debate as we have many times before. And uh, as I'm sure we'll debate many times moving forward, whether that's the, the right offensive play caller for him. But the bottom line is that there is a familiar sense uh, between the coach and the player case and Darnold uh, now versus a more familiar sense than a year ago. So uh, this is a year for, for Darnold. Uh, I think if you're going to subscribe to the Tony Romo school of thought to make a, a fairly significant jump, I'm not saying I necessarily agree with Tony, but that's, you know, that's his take. And I thought that was really interesting, uh, interesting given uh, that Darnold again, made some improvement, from 2018 to 2019, but uh, but not that that big leap that uh, a lot of people hoped for. Manish, it seems like the odds makers aren't counting on a leap either, because you and I were talking about this before we started recording. And Sam Darnold has very low MVP odds. 
lower than Stidham, lower than Allen. Now, I think part of that is because the odds makers are factoring in that the Jets are not going to be that good of a team this year. They're only favored to win a handful of games, whereas the Bills are expected to be a much better team, as are the Patriots. And we both know that no matter how good you are, if you're on a team that isn't good, you're not going to win the MVP award. I don't think that's fair, but that's the way that these things go. So I can understand why Darnold's odds are low. But if he does take that jump and if the Jets do make the playoffs unexpectedly, this could be an interesting bet for somebody who likes to look at futures bets, look at something that might be on the low side and think that there is some upside there. Because as you said, if the jump is going to come, statistically speaking, it typically comes either in year two or year three. So if it's going to happen for Darnold, it should happen this year. And if you get in now, you might be able to get yourself a bit of a bargain on the MVP race, right? Look, I'm not a better, but I wouldn't mind putting down 10 bucks <laughs> on Darnold. <laughs> uh, we'll see what the odds are moving forward. But uh, depending on whether you're looking at the, you know, Caesar Sportsbook, Bet Online, there's, you know, there's different odds. But uh, Caesars has Darnold as 100 to 1. Uh, and you're absolutely right. Look, the team and the success of the team obviously plays a role in all of this. Josh Allen is 60 to 1, considerably better than Darnold. Uh, even Jared Stidham, who is, you know, he's going to be a first year starter, uh, largely because uh, of Bill Belichick. He's 75 to 1, so he's got better odds. Uh, what I thought was interesting is that Tua has the same odds as Darnold. And, uh, I mean, are the Dolphins better off than the Jets? I think they're better off probably in a two, three-year window. Uh, are they going to have a better season than the Jets this year? I don't know. I mean, Tua's even coming off injury. He's a rookie. So I thought that was a slap in the face for Darnold to have the same odds as as Tua. Uh, Darnold doesn't even have better odds than Joe Burrow. I, I mean, this guy's playing for the Bengals, for God's <laughs> sakes. And, and he's a rookie, so... Uh, I don't know. I mean, maybe I'm just looking at this as a, you know, as a pro Darnold guy, and I I, I don't uh, hide the fact that I'm, you know, very bullish on Sam Darnold's future, and I do have fair concerns about, you know, how well the team will do in 2020, uh, and I certainly have been critical of the head coach, but I, I've been bullish on the, this defense. I'm bullish on the young quarterback. Uh, you know, the idea that Tua has the same odds as Darnold and Darnold doesn't have better odds than Joe Burrow, I I, I don't know. I, I don't quite understand that because if, if you watch Sam Darnold play, you know, you know, snap in and snap out, there's enough there. There's enough high-end play there to see what he could be. And what he could be, obviously, is not only predicated on his ability to grow and to adapt and learn, but also the, the skill people around him, the offensive line around him, the coaching around him, all of that plays a role. But the raw talent and the ability is there. I mean, I can you know flash back to a million different plays over the last two years, and uh, and you know think to myself, there's not very many young players who could you know just do what he did. Uh, you know, I, you can make a case, and I know that you have talked about this, Scott, that he was better as a rookie than he was last year, regardless of what the, the final stats might actually say. Uh, I think that you know, a fair case can be made either way. He was better last year or he was better as a rookie. But I, I think what's probably clear to Jet fans is his best game 
uh, for my money, I would take the Green Bay game, the game that they ultimately lost in overtime last December, as his best game. Oh, not last December, his you know December uh, of his rookie season. I think that was his most complete game. That was his most impressive game. And you know he had a great first half against the Cowboys last year. He played well against the Raiders and the the Redskins last year as well. But you know I thought he was terrific against Green Bay. Houston, uh, I'm sure other games you can you know chime in if you want. Uh, as a rookie, he was clutch in Buffalo. Uh, obviously, at the end of his rookie season, I, I think that there's a lot there to be really excited about, and uh, and that's why, like as you said, if, if things break right for the Jets and they sneak into the postseason, and and it's you know, largely because of Sam Darnold and the defense. You know, you know, why not take a flyer uh, on a guy that you're getting these great odds on for MVP? We did a long series here in the podcast, Manish, as you're aware of, with Michael Nania, who studied every single snap that Sam Darnold has taken in his first two seasons. And I think the misconception is that Sam Darnold has had a ton of terrible games. He's had his fair amount of not good games, but he's also had a lot of games that on paper don't look as good as when you go back and watch the film, and then you realize, oh, he had more good moments than you think he did. I think the trick for Darnold is he needs to take the okay games and make them good, the good games and make them great, and take the bad games and make them more manageable. So if he can do that and be more consistent, that's when we'll know whether or not he has taken that leap in year number three. And if he does, like you said, pretty solid value. I can't believe it either that he is below Joe Burrow and even Tua for MVP odds. We don't even know if Tua is going to play this year and he's below him. And Joe Burrow is a rookie and playing for the Cincinnati Bengals. So like you said, if you're somebody that believes in bulletin board material, if I was Adam Gase, I would be cutting this out, handing it to Sam Darnold and saying, here, they don't believe in you. I do. Let's go get this. Yeah, look, I think that Sam is a, a motivated guy. Uh, I'm not necessarily sure that uh, being such a long shot uh, for MVP is going to move the needle for him. <laughs> He's a pretty even keel, mature kid you know, for his age. Uh, I, I think that uh, he, look, he's a hard worker. He he has a lot of belief in people around him, and I think that's what motivates him. Uh, I, you know, I, I can't say for sure because I haven't talked to him about this, but I'm sure he got a, a chuckle out of the fact that uh, you know Jared Stidham and Josh Allen have better odds uh, to be the MVP. Uh, again, I think he's motivated by realizing his potential and motivated by getting into the playoffs because. You know, watching Josh Allen, who is a friend of his, you know, get to the postseason last year, uh, probably makes him a little bit jealous, and he wants to, you know, to taste what that's like. So, uh, you know, I think that's what drives him uh, more so than the odds. But the odds make for great conversation. And again, I'm just looking at this from the perspective that this kid has so much ability, so much potential, uh, and and so much great football ahead of him. Frankly, if he can stay healthy. He's such a young player, uh, younger, <laughs> younger actually than Joe Burrow. Uh, you know, makes a great conversation. You and I are talking about it. Uh, I think it's a slap in the face to, for him to be such a long shot. But I don't know if this is going to make him study any harder, work any harder. I think he's uh, you know self motivated, he, and he's driven to you know to realize his full potential. I think that's what that gets him going every morning, and I think uh, that's not going to change. 
as we were talking about a couple of days ago, Manish, Dan Orlovsky came out and said that Sam Darnold was his highest rated quarterback to come into the league in the last three years. Now, he should have been a little clearer about that because some people took that to mean he's talking about Deshaun Watson and Patrick Mahomes. He was talking about the last three drafts. So people that have come into the league, technically that would have been this last class with Joe Burrow. Now, obviously we know that Lamar Jackson is the reigning MVP, but there are still people that believe that when it's all said and done, Darnold could become better than Jackson when everything settles, when the dust settles, that he could have a better career simply because we don't know if Lamar Jackson's style is going to be sustainable. We will see as of now, obviously, Lamar Jackson well ahead of Sam Darnold. But if Sam Darnold is going to be able to make Dan Arlovsky look good for saying what he said, he's going to have to make that leap here in year number three. And he's going to have to make people think that they got themselves a bargain by putting down a few bucks on him to win the MVP award. I think, Manish, if Sam Darnold is in the running for MVP in any way, then that should put the Jets in strong playoff contention at the very least, right? Because if he's playing at that level, they have to win at least eight games or so, which would put them right in that discussion with that extra playoff team this year. Yeah, I completely agree. Uh, unless half the defensive players and starters get hurt. Uh, <laughs> if Sam Darnold is playing at that level, that means they're winning football games. Uh, again, unless every... The critical defensive starter is out for the season and the Jets are giving up 40 points a game and losing shootouts, uh, you know, 45 to 42, uh, you would have to assume that uh, the, that the Jets are winning a, a lot if Sam Darnold is playing at that level. And uh, look, if they get to eight or nine wins and Darnold in the MVP discussion, then, uh, then, <laughs> then I think, uh, you know, that's, I don't want to say that's the dream scenario because every Jet fan wants to make the playoffs and not miss the postseason for a 10th consecutive year. But uh, I, I think you might actually find a segment of the fan base that would, wouldn't be complaining if uh, they missed the playoffs, but Darnold is playing at that kind of level because in many respects, you know, his development is, is uh, the most important part of this season. Uh, you know, I, obviously I, I think the, the number one goal should be making the postseason. But uh, if he's playing at that level, that also means that Adam Gase is doing something right, uh, you know, getting the best out of him. And that's why Gase was hired, it was to, to get the best out of this young quarterback as quickly as possible. Uh, and if that's happening, then I, I think that uh, Jet fans would be extremely happy about the future, even if they didn't make the postseason. Got my fingers crossed, Manish. Going to go place a bet on Sam Darnold to win MVP. If nothing else, it'll make the season interesting, and that's really what I'm looking for at this point. I want an interesting season. The Jets haven't given us one of those in quite a while. 2015, probably the last time that the season was interesting at all. Manish Mehta covering the New York Jets for the New York Daily News. Thanks so much for hopping on. Really appreciate it. Before you run, I know you're on vacation, but you've also got a book review coming out, don't you? Yes, I do. It's a, not a football book, however. It's a baseball book called The Wax Pack. And if you are a, a, a baseball card collector like I was when I was a kid, uh, you're actually going to love it. The author is a uh, biology teacher, actually, uh, out in the college in California, Brad 
uh, Baluchian, and I'm probably butchering his last name, so apologies to Brad, but uh, he came up with a, what I thought was a inc- really creative idea. He opened up an old pack of 1986 Topps baseball cards and then uh, crossed the country looking for each player in that pack to find out you know, what they're up to, what life has been like since they stopped playing baseball, and share some stories about uh, their baseball days. It's it's a really interesting and fun read. Uh, There's a lot of father-son elements to this story, so not that I'm his book publisher, but it's probably a pretty good Father's Day gift as well. Uh, You know, some recognizable names in there, some guys that, you know, you probably would never have heard of unless you were a diehard baseball fan. But, uh, you know, there's a New York angle to it. Uh, He happened to open up a pack that had Vince Coleman. Uh, Mets fans are fully aware Mm -hmm. of that disaster. Uh, Dwight Gooden is actually in there. And even though the author doesn't talk to to Dwight, uh, he ultimately spends a a fair amount of time with Dwight's oldest son, which I thought was really interesting uh, as well. Uh, There's a chapter in there about Lee Mazzilli. Mets fans will really like that. Uh, I I just thought it was interesting because you, you you kind of forget about uh, a lot of these players. You know, forget the star guys for a second, but uh, the, you know the the guys who are middling players or below average players, and it gives you a good insight to you know what you know course life has taken them on after playing baseball. And the author also weaves in some some fairly personal elements of his own life. Uh, I, I just thought it was a really smart, creative idea. And it was executed really well. Uh, it was a, a summer-long road trip, I think about uh, two months or so, self-funded uh, from a guy who's not, you know, he's he's not a, a published writer per se. Uh, he's a you know he's a biology teacher in college, biology professor, and I just thought, uh, you know, it was it's an entertaining summer read. You know, hopefully, baseball gets you know going again over the next month or so, or maybe two months. But without sports, you know, kind of gets your baseball fix in the summertime and you know baseball is my first love uh i played baseball you know for for most of my you know most of my childhood and high school days but uh you know anytime i can get my hands on a interesting baseball book in the summertime i try to do so and this one certainly fits the bill all i'll say about vince coleman is keep the firecrackers out of that man's hand if you know what's good for you (laughs) Check out Manish's book review in the Daily News. Follow him on Twitter. If you haven't had a chance to give us a five-star review on iTunes yet, if you could go ahead and do that for us, really appreciate it. Easy way to help out the show if you like what we're doing. It doesn't take you much time, doesn't cost you any money, but it goes a long way towards helping us out. So if you could do that for us, we'd really be grateful. And for the latest and greatest in New York Jets podcasts, you know where to go. That's Turn on the Jets Digital and turnonthejets.com.